Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Jordan Younger, your host of the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. Here we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, wellness, motherhood, channeling, aliens, and so much more. We have deep conversations. We go to other realms. It's a lot of fun. So stick around. Let's dive on in. I cannot wait to connect. Hello, my favorite people. Welcome back to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Today, we have the fabulous Brandy Jordan on the show. She is a celebrity doula, the host of the Dear Doula podcast, and she's an expert on all things conscious parenting and bringing spirituality back into birth. I was so excited to have this conversation with her, which we admittedly had several months ago, back before Atticus was even one, which is crazy. This was recorded during the time that I got super ahead on the podcast, and I have been saving it for a very special time. And today is that day. I know we have a lot of mothers in the Balanced Bond community, and we also have a lot of pregnant moms, moms-to-be, as well as people who are trying to get pregnant, who are on their fertility journey. So wherever you are in the process, even if you don't want to have kids, but you have nieces and nephews or your friends are starting to have kids, I think this is such a special conversation all the way around. I love all of the education that Brandy provides about birth and also raising our kids in a conscious way. I had burning questions for her about my own postpartum journey. So any postpartum moms out there, I got you. Currently working on all the pelvic floor therapy stuff, especially before I start thinking about trying potentially to get pregnant again in the near-ish future. So this was a very special conversation all around. Brandy is incredible. She's so intelligent. Like I said, she has a lot of celebrity clients, She is also a board-certified lactation consultant, a sleep specialist, a doula, a newborn care specialist, and a postpartum doula as well. She's just fantastic. She also travels internationally. She lives between France and here. And I'm just in awe of her and her wisdom and her life. So I know that you're going to love this conversation. If you feel inspired to rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify, it helps so much. And you can send me a screenshot to Jordan at thebalancedbond.com where I will enter you to win this week's big wellness giveaway. And if you want to hear more about my birth story, we have a whole birth story episode that you can search on the podcast. It was with me and Jonathan just a little over a year ago. And I also told 
new fountain parts of my birth story on Brandy's podcast, the Dear Doula podcast. So check that out. I think it came out back in December. It's a really fun one. She's a really, really good host. So with that, let's get into this conversation with Brandy. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So tell everybody, tell our Soul on Fire listeners just a little bit about what you do. So I'm a doula. I've been doing that before they were cool. And when people used to think we just like crystals and witchcraft back in the day. (laughs) And some do, but I am not that kind of doula. I started in 2000. And so I've served thousands of families over these past 20 years, kind of taking them on this spiritual journey of parenthood. Um, You know, I have a podcast called Dear Doula, where we discuss lots of topics related to how to parent in more empathic and connected ways. I'm a lactation consultant. I help people sleep. So basically anything zero to five is like my lane with parents. And that's what I do. Oh, my God. And you're sitting here with a new mother such as myself. So everything that you just said is exciting from the spiritual parenting to I know that you're into like conscious parenting and gentle parenting, Mm -hmm. which I have so many questions about that. Sleeping. Uh, My best friend had a baby a couple days ago and she was just texting me saying we're exhausted. We're dying. And well, you better have her text me. (laughs) I know it brings me back to those days. I was telling her you're not alone. This is so normal. This is just how it is. So we'll talk about all of that. And I'm so excited that you're here. Me too. So you started your podcast in November, you were saying, and what was the impetus for starting the podcast? So, I mean, obviously being a doula for 20 plus year, there's nothing that I haven't seen in like the human condition when it comes to family and parenting and that journey. And one of the things that I have seen like a decline in the last 20 years is people moving more away from like their own intuition when it comes to parenting, like what they need and what their kids need. And like wholly relying on people like me who they deem as like experts. And I really kind of want to give that power back to families and know that like your kid picked you. There are specific things about you, whether they are, you know, good or bad that are, 100% needed for your kid on whatever journey they're going on. And I think there's just so much out there telling people they're doing it wrong. And so for me, the podcast is really about sharing with people that, you know, most likely you're getting it right and your kid picked you for a reason. And if you really lean into that, the rest will unfold. I love it. So I totally agree that our kids pick us. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. That's a very spiritual concept Mm -hmm. that my audience is is well versed in because we talk this way all the time. But what was the beginning of your spiritual journey that kind of got you into thinking this way? You know, it's so funny you ask that because I... I think Proust was like the most science-based person and not that I still don't love science, but, you know, my minor's in biology. So like, I really like science. And, you know, I would have, you know, 15 years ago said like, I'm into evidence-based and like da 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 And I think just being in this bubble, like I feel like there's a portal that's around you when you have a new baby. And because I've been in it so many times, like the air is different, the energy is different and seeing people like, go through that over and over again. There was no way that I couldn't acknowledge, you know, the spirit, the energy that's involved with you basically creating life. And I say that however your kid came to you. People think that like it's just babies coming from your body. But I've seen this with adoptive parents, with surrogacy parents, that there's something about this time where you have, you know, increased your ability to have like empathy and love for this new person. And you're creating space in your family for the growth of a new member. Um, there's just this quiet calm that happens during this time if people are like slowed down enough and quiet enough to hear it. And like I've been privileged enough to experience that thousands of times with different families. And I think 
families and moms actually created spirituality in me more than anything. Like that started my journey is just seeing the, for me, the awe of people bringing life into the world, Mm -hmm. the awe of parents going from being this couple or this person and becoming a parent like that space had me believing that there's just something more that we're supposed to get from this versus just like a baby registry like there's more to it absolutely so the doula work for you came before the spiritual mm-hmm. beliefs for and sure. a lot of this kind of stuff yeah for so sure. how did you become a doula for a biology minor that's that's <laughs> a you know it's a different kind of career yeah. path so like my bachelor's degree is in child development of a minor in biology uh, and I thought I'd work like in a hospital and I have done so my master's in social work and so I had a very like you know, academic kind of track. And so I was home from college, my first year in college, you know, so summer of 98, I was listening to NPR and they were talking about this old timey career called midwifery. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what is this? Like, what? And so I literally cold called a birth center. I'm from Houston. So I did this in Houston. I was home for the summer. And for whatever crazy reason, they allowed a 19 year old to come and train with them. Like, oh yeah, like, you know, this is, you can be a birth assistant. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't have much, I didn't have responsibilities. I was like, let me go run over here and do this. And so the first birth that I assisted the midwife with was a, and I still remember this like as if it was yesterday and I was 19 at the time. And I am much older than 19 at this point. They were first time parents. She had this 10 pound baby in the water. It was the quietest experience that I've ever been in. And like, for me being 19 at the time, I was like, this is not what it looks like on TV. Like it was beautiful. It was quiet. It was calm. It was like the connection that the couple had, you know, me and like the midwife. And I'm like, this is just such a high, the space that I'm in. Like, I want to be a part of this, but also I'm 19 and who the hell is going to hire a 19 year old to like be there. At the time it wasn't even called doula. You were a birth assistant or you were called a monitrice. Oh, I had no It was idea. a more clinical role back in the day. And so I kind of put it out of my head, like, this was great. I'll do this while I'm here. But when I go back to college, you know, in California, like I'm, you know, just going to go on my track. And I moved next door to the Hollywood Birthing Center, which existed at the time. And I was like, I don't think this is a coincidence. Yeah, that is definitely not a coincidence. <laughs> so I went and they were like, oh, you want to be a doula? And I was like, oh, what's that? And they were, and I took a doula training and the rest is history. You know, I, from the start was busy. And at one point my mom was like, this kind of sounds like a business. Maybe you should charge people because I was doing it for free. Oh, wow. Because you just <laughs> loved it that much. I loved it. And I had been told like you couldn't make a business from this. It's just a mm-hmm. hobby. And like, you know, it's fun and we're supporting people. But like this isn't like a real thing. And it was a real thing. And it's still a real thing 20 plus years later. Very much so a real That's thing. my doula story. That's a good story. I think the best jobs come from what we discover organically mm-hmm. as a passion. Because I, with blogging, totally different story. It was like, I could never make money doing this. This isn't a career path. This is a hobby. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes what you love. And look, you were ahead of the curve because now everybody's heard of a doula. Most people have heard yes, of a doula. Yes, we're cool now. We're, yeah, you guys are very cool. <laughs> and you work with a lot of high profile celebrities, mm-hmm. I know. And that's very cool, very LA. But what my point is, like, everybody has a doula these days. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that I've had such a long career that, like, I serve everyone. Like, I know obviously people see that I have a lot of high profile clients, but, you know, I've had the pleasure of like being in every situation that you can imagine with families. And it's humbling. Like, 
we're all like, we have the same like stumbles. We have the same fears and insecurities. And there's something about that to me that's like very just part of like the life cycle that's very reassuring that like we all have this common connection and want to raise these like really great humans. And like most people are good and trying to figure things out. And so many of us like are hurting in different ways and just need a little bit of support to be yes. that person that we want to be so that we can be the parent that we want to be. Yes, the support is what it's all about. I had yeah. a doula with my birth, Patty Quintero. I don't know if you guys know I each don't. other because I feel like it's a small doula world, let alone, but there are a lot of doulas in LA. And the support factor is incredible outside of your partner, who most likely has never assisted in a birth before, mm-hmm. been a part of a birth before. It's just so nice to have someone's helping hand and guidance. It is. And, you know, I tell people because I know that some partners might have this misconception that they're going to lose something by having this other person support. And I always say, like, it's hard to coach a sport you've never played for anyone, you know. And so having that person who's kind of just been to this longer, knows more about it, is just a comfort to it. You know, I had been doing this work for eight years before I had my own child, even with that level of experience. Like, you know, I've birthed three times and having a doula at each birth was invaluable to me because there's something just about having that support, like that red tent, like, you know. The red tent, yeah, yes. Just having back. that is just so incredibly powerful. And I feel like one of the reasons that so many parents feel overwhelmed and are, you know, in, in ways not thriving now is because we kind of left some of the spirituality behind. We don't have the same reverence for it like we did before. And I think my hope is that we start to go back to it with conversations like this. I hope so, too. Okay, let's talk about AG1, my favorite brand, something that I genuinely take every single day. I love it. And I love that it's part of my daily routine because I'm a routine person. If something falls out of my routine, it's probably not going to happen for a while. And I have stuck with this every single morning for over a year. I just love the way that it makes me feel. And it's so easy to incorporate it into your day to day life. I just mix it with water. I use a little frother, but you can also just shake it up. So let me tell you all about what it is. It is a daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. It has so many greens that you probably are not getting in your day-to-day life. I personally love the way that it tastes, for, but for people who are not obsessed with the taste of greens, which I totally understand, it tastes amazing. It's like a tropical punch first thing in the morning. And with just one scoop, I get the nutrients and gut health support that helps my whole body thrive and covers all of my nutritional bases. And then some, I never miss a day. So if you want to take ownership over your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash blonde. That is drinkag1.com slash blonde. Check it out. I know you're going to love it. And tell me all of your thoughts when you give it a try. So how can we bring spirituality back into the birthing process? I think talking about it, you know, even like, you know, the super sciencey girl, like saying like, hey, there's something to this that can't be explained. There's a connection that happens, you know, 
even like, you know, me being with so many families, like some of them I will see, you know, three years later, five years later, I have actually twins that turned 18 today. Whoa. I just saw her post. That's very cool. And there's an essence of connection between us, even though these kids literally have not seen me since they were four months old. There is a sense of knowing that they have. And I like there's there's something to that. Like we can't we can't discount the spiritual piece to this. And I think that a lot of parents, particularly, you know, female identify because a lot, you know, in this culture tend to be carrying a lot of the rearing of children. And I think that's changing, too. But I think if we start to talk about the spirituality piece and people start to lean into it, I think people will learn to slow down. We will start to like reprioritize our lives in ways that actually make room for the things that are really important and be like quiet enough to kind of hear what the next step is. And I think that we're just moving and, you know, achieving and accumulating that we miss some of those spiritual lessons. And I think how we change that is just reminding people of the importance and why there are so many people who are feeling so overwhelmed with parenthood because they don't have that connection. Mm-hmm. And we're worthy of slowing down. Yeah. We're worthy of entering that birth portal, which is a vortex and it's like no other. And so many people, myself included, like put so much pressure on ourselves to work up until the birth or to not take that time to slow down or to even not really take enough time with the newborn once the newborn's born. And we're worthy of that time. And that's a spiritual practice in and of itself. So, I mean, so true. I feel like, you know, previously, and I think that's changing, like maybe 15 years ago was this whole idea of like, you know, getting your body back after having the baby right away. And like, so cool, you went back to work in two weeks. And like, you know, you had your baby under your desk because you're like a warrior, you know, like that was (laughs) like the energy of like, I feel like the early 2000s. And I feel like we're going back to no, like the real the real regalness of parenthood, of motherhood, of fatherhood is being able to sit in this time and like connect and create and, you know, have that spiritual experience, which allows you to go deeper. And I think that there are just a few times in life where you get to do this in a space of joy. Like a lot of people change their lives because they got a cancer diagnosis or because their husband left them or whatever the case is. It's one of these few times like you get to do this in a space of like pure joy that Mm -hmm. you get to like dig deep because you're just so open and vulnerable and you have this extreme want to like be better or be be a better person for this new person that you brought into the world. But there's a window, I feel like. And, you know, those early years before our kids get more exposed to like the outside world is that window. Mm -hmm. And I think more of us are listening to that and understanding that by us not doing this, kids are actually suffering because we're not doing that work. That's such a good point. I know the kids deserve it. They deserve it. And it's wild to think how fast it all goes. And I feel like I gave birth yesterday. Mm -hmm. It is the wildest feeling, which you probably hear all the time. Yes. I'm curious, though, to hear what were your three births like? Did you do home births or did you have a mix of hospital or I'm just so curious. I had a mixture. So my first son, I had a hospital birth. You know, I had like at the time the who's who, like everyone birthed with this guy and like he was amazing. And I was like, when I have a kid, I'm going to use him as my doctor. And I did. And it was an amazing experience. You know, I tend to have very fast births. My first birth was six hours. I was young. And so literally left the hospital like 18 hours, like after having him. And like I was in my 20s. And so just like, you know, eating in and out and like not as cognizant as I am now of like, oh, I'm like, maybe I should have had some more greens during Mm -hmm. that time. But, you know, it was a beautiful experience. And because I had witnessed so much of it in those eight years before having my own child, 
I think I had very realistic expectations put on myself that made me thrive a bit more. My second birth was a planned home birth. My daughter was born at home. She was born in 50 minutes from beginning to end. What? <laughs> yes. 50 minutes? 50. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was wild. And, you know, what I tell people is, but when you're in it, you don't know it's going to be 50 minutes. Of course. And so, like, you start like, being hit by a Mack truck and, you're, and like within 10 minutes, I was like, I've lost all my tools. Like, what are we going to do? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. And, you know, my husband was able to catch her and it was like this beautiful experience of like, Amazing. I just had a baby and I'm in my own bed right now. Like I'm in my own shower and it was beautiful. And, you know, I, my third was, you know, I got pregnant with him when my daughter was 15 months. So very close together. You know, I know some people like to have like the family birth where everyone's involved and I in translate is like, I don't really want to be like making sandwiches when I'm in labor. <laughs> like, I don't want my husband Sorry. making sandwiches. And so I was like, at the time I was working at a hospital and I was working in that department. So I was like, you know what? I actually want to have him at the hospital. Like, I, I think it's great for me to have this time to like be and slow down and to feed him and for my other kids to be able to like have this time to come and visit and still like have their routine. And so he was born in the hospital. But actually, it was a that birth was easy, but there was like a lot of conflict around it. When I arrived at the hospital, they refused to give me a hospital bed. Um, the doctor said to me, you know, I was like, you know, this is my third. I'm in labor. You know, my water broke. And he was like, no, you probably just peed yourself and you don't know. What? Yeah. And I was like, mm, actually, You're like, I'm yeah, pretty I actually sure. kind of know a thing or two about birth. And so then I was like, I think I'm in labor. And he's like, his exact words were, it doesn't matter that you think you're in labor. It matters when I think you're in labor. What? Excuse me? Yeah. That is crazy. And so at this point, like I have fast labor. So at this point we're an hour in and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to manage the fact that I have to bring a person out of my body. Like I don't actually have the physical strength, the mental strength to have an argument with this person. And luckily I had a doula and my husband and he tried to make us go home. And luckily my husband was like, no, we're not going home. My doula's like, we're going to walk around, we're going to do the thing. And at some point, like I couldn't walk anymore. So we're in a triage room. I don't know if everyone knows what that looks like, but basically it's like a coat closet. Yeah. It has like a little cot. And like when you're nine months pregnant, you don't fit on this cot. So at one point, like I'm on my hands and knees on the hospital floor because I don't have a room. Oh I'm God. going outside to the public bathroom in the lobby. Oh, my God. And so like every moan, every cry, like random people are hearing this. And so at this point, I guess word got around that I worked in the hospital. And so <laughs> then like the chair, like the cavalry came in. Let's get you to a room and whatever. And, you know, I ended up being a beautiful birth. He was born 20 minutes later and like it was like a two hour birth total, you even though I wasn't in labor. Um, and in that moment, like it was like, oh, this is what happens to black women in labor. Like you're not believed. And I was just yeah. like on a slow Tuesday night with no people here. I work here. I know what happens. You get a room and they just tell you to hang out. But mm -hmm. like the fact I was like, I wasn't worthy enough because I didn't have my white coat on. I didn't work there. I didn't have that. And I was like, if this happens to me, someone who had at this point 18 years of maternal child health experience and I had people to advocate for me, imagine the woman who doesn't have that and does go home and like has her baby in the car or yeah. worse. And yeah, and I got to go on a really good letter writing campaign after that. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I, I'm sure you spoke your mind as yes. you should because... As someone who's given birth and I know the pain of labor, the thought of someone telling you, no, you're not in labor. Yeah. And when I tell you you're in labor is when you are. Infuriating. Infuriating. <laughs> like it gives me chills. Like I remember the, when the new doctor, because this guy like never showed his face again, like after the like the mm -hmm. switcheroo with the team. And I was like, I don't like your friend. Like that's the only thing that I could say. <laughs> so I, I could like, just relate. I could totally imagine <laughs> like, being just, in that position. I, I'm in pain. I'm trying to like, you're like, 
one foot in this world, one foot in another world. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have time to have this like mortal conversation with you about my body. No, you know? I know. That's the thing. I mean, I can only imagine how frustrating that was mm -hmm. for you. But I, I've had other experiences with the Western medical system mm -hmm. that are so upsetting. And if it weren't for some prior health conditions that I've had, mm -hmm. I never would have wanted to birth in the hospital. I wasn't necessarily given a choice because of that. So I was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I did almost have my son in the car. We'll probably talk more about that on your podcast. So I, I know like the chaos of it all. And it's tough. Like my biggest fear my whole pregnancy was what's going to happen at the hospital? Are the doctors right. going to believe me? Are they going to make a call that I'm not okay with? Are we going to be able to properly advocate? Is there going to be emergencies? Like, I'm sure these are fears that you have all the time or that you that you hear. All yeah, the time I hear all the time. And the truth is, in many ways, people should have these fears. And I hate mm -hmm. to say that, like the way that the Western medical system is set up right now, it isn't necessarily set up in in the best interest of families. You know, we are a litigious society, and so they're set up to protect that entity. And in some ways, I understand why they're doing that. But it doesn't mean that we can't start to think about how do we make this experience you know, a more spiritual experience like it's supposed to be. Like, yes, we have to have those checks and balances. And it's great to have modern medicine. Like if I needed to have a cesarean, I want a surgeon to do that. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so we need those things. But I think that we have turned birth completely into a medical event. And that's why we've lost this reverence of the spirituality that should be taking place mm -hmm. for those normal, you know, non high risk pregnancies and births that can be birthing in a more spiritual way. Okay, so many of us know there is no quick fix for anxiety and depression. It's not about finding a new therapist or starting an exercise routine. Although I will say those things also help and it is not regular meditation or a better diet. Sometimes you need something to truly unlock your brain. And we are all about that over on TBB Podcast. We talk about biohacking and unlocking specific neural pathways in our brain so that we can heal once and for all. So on that note, let me tell you all about guided ketamine therapy from Mindbloom. So I've done a lot of guided ketamine therapy. You guys know this. If you listen to the show, we have several episodes all about ketamine therapy. It has totally changed my life. But what I love about Mindbloom the most is that you can do it at home. They are the leader in at-home ketamine therapy, having safely helped thousands of people overcome their anxiety and depression. And it's very different from traditional talk therapy in that it works quickly and doesn't necessarily have the unpleasant side effects of traditional antidepressants. I also love that it takes you back often to the root of the problem. And here we are all about addressing the root cause so that we can heal once and for all. Right now, Mindbloom is offering our listeners $100 off your first six-session program when you sign up at mindbloom.com slash blonde and use promo code blonde. Take the first step and break free from your anxiety and depression with Mindbloom. Mindbloom.com slash blonde, promo code blonde. Let's talk about Shopify. I am such a fan of Shopify and I have been ever since I created my first business all the way back in 2013, which was TBV Apparel, the Blonde Vegan Apparel. I sold it from my website, my original blog, 
TPV, which eventually turned into the Balanced Blonde. And what I loved about it then, and I still love about it now, is how easy it is to use. You don't have to learn coding. You don't even need anybody's help. Like even if you're not a website building person, which I'm definitely not, it is amazing. And it covers every sales channel from in-person to all-in-one e-commerce. It even lets you sell across social media like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. It is packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. And it gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills whatsoever. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every single step of the way. So I know we have so many entrepreneurs in our audience and it is your turn now to get serious about selling your products and try Shopify today. That is possibility for everyone powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash balanced, all lowercase. That is shopify.com slash balanced to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash balanced. So for people who are interested in a home birth and a more spiritual experience, but they're scared or they've just mm -hmm. heard that that's dangerous, because of course, that's what they'll tell you at the mm -hmm. hospital. What would be your advice? Because you know how safe it is. You've done it and you've been there for many. Well, at first I tell people the best place to birth is a place you're going to feel the most comfortable. And that could be a hospital for some people. You know, I've seen spiritual experiences happen in a hospital, just like I've seen happen in a home birth. And so I don't necessarily think that it always comes down to exactly where you're birthing. It's who you're birthing with. Who is your doctor? Who is your midwife? Because they are what we call in parentheses medical midwives who also believe in like this very Western idea of like, you know, heavy interventions. And so that's not always the answer. So what I would tell people is to be thinking about the kind of birth that they want, what the fears they are, and actually get balanced information from people on both sides and, and really try to listen to their gut. Like, where are they feeling they're going to be the most comfortable. If that's in a hospital, do that. But just make sure that you're getting a provider that's respecting your wishes, that isn't rushing you, that when you say, you know, I want to have a birth plan or I want to do it natural, things that are important to you, that they support that. They're not like downplaying it and telling you you're crazy or like that that's woo-woo, you know, fake stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. That's the most important. It's the who, not the where. Because I had beautiful births and all the locations, mm -hmm. but it really came down to who was supporting me, who was educating me um, and getting really educated. If you're going to be in a space that's not your home, you need to be very educated about the regulations, the rules, et cetera, that happen in those places that you can protect yourself and ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Asking the right questions is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And my doctor and I had a hilarious relationship in that he does find me very woo woo. And he would just be like, okay, Jordan, like, of course, you're going to bring in your own glucose drink and all this stuff. But this one's really not that bad. And I was over here telling him, no, it is this bad because I'm showing you all the ingredients. Mm -hmm. And that was our relationship the whole pregnancy. And then it turns out he was in Sweden when I gave birth. So I had a different doctor. Mm -hmm. And I got very lucky because it was an amazing doctor. And they were super supportive of our birth plan. And it went well. But that was the fear leading up to it was like, which doctor is going to be on call? And I know a lot of people have that experience mm -hmm. because these days, a lot of doctors work in a group practice. 
and you don't know if they're going to be there. And that's why the education piece becomes really important. You know, we get so much clout to doctors and we should like they've worked really hard to get that white coat and they know a lot and they keep our keep us safe most of the time and they have the best intentions most of the time. But I think we also have to be thinking about how do we take ownership of our bodies and our education, understanding the process? And when you have that information, you're less likely to be like, oh, like, are they telling me this because they're BSing me? Or is this something really that's important to like the health of myself and my child? Mm-hmm. And so one, hire a doula. So they can yes. educate you as well because they have those relationships with those providers that they can pass along to you. And, you know, I think, though, when we kind of just give over our power to the people who are caring for us, whether that's a midwife or a doctor, that's where we get into situations that we feel like out of control. Mm-hmm. That totally makes sense. So switching gears from birth, let's talk about parenting. I love that you advise people on different styles of parenting, more spiritual ways of parenting, conscious parenting. And that's the stage I'm in now. So selfishly, I'm super fascinated to learn from you on this topic. I feel like gentle, conscious parenting, like there's so many labels for it, but it kind of found me. Like I just, you know, I've always been a very introspective person. You know, like I said, my master's in social works, there's a lot of work that you do in that realm that's really about self-exploration and understanding like your family of origin. I always say that every parent has been to a parenting class and that was your childhood. And our first work is to make sense of that story, good or bad. Are there things you want to keep? Are there things you want to move away from? And in doing that, I started thinking about like, what are the things that I still remember from my childhood that didn't serve me or that created insecurities in me? And it started bringing me to like, the way that we talk to our kids, the way that we create limits with our children. And that kind of put me down this rabbit hole of like gentle parenting and what we call conscious parenting with this idea of like, how can I create more respect between myself and my child? And how do I get children who do the things that are important for us, like on a value sense, but they're doing it from a place of wanting to versus my power over them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of what I started to research and learn, like so much of it, I felt wasn't applicable to like everyone. Like some of it came from like a lens of privilege or it came from a space like that doesn't really make sense for my culture. And so I started to seeing like, what are those elements that we should be doing to create connection with our kids that creates empathic kids? And for me, that's going to be kind of the piece of like making our world a more empathic place. And so that was my own journey of like being a mom and figuring out like, this gentle person that I've just brought into the world. Like, how do I not ruin him? How do I like, you know, think about my own triggers and my own like, you know, past traumas and and work on those things so I can be better for him and really show up to support him in the way that he needs to be supported. And that's kind of what I started teaching parents is like, it's okay to say that our parents didn't get it all right. It doesn't make us like ungrateful. It doesn't, you know, make us discount the good things about them. I had really good parents who made mistakes. And I'm hoping that my child will also say that I had good parents who made mistakes. But I think the difference in having that conversation and like telling my child, like, I'm not really under I don't really know how to handle this because I'm feeling triggered. I'm not really sure how to answer this for you because that's not something I grew up talking about. And that vulnerability that I've been able to share with my own kids has been something that I'm really proud about because they are able to like do that with each other and with and potentially other partners and with their own children. And I get really excited about other families like learning about that journey. 
Yeah, I love that. I know. Those are conversations I certainly didn't grow up having. My parents are amazing. They've been on this podcast many times. But they may, yeah, we can all say like they they didn't know so many things mm-hmm. about, especially about raising a highly sensitive person, mm-hmm. which is how I consider myself to be. And I can only imagine that my son and my future children are going to be quite highly sensitive because I'm their mom mm-hmm. and genetics are real. What are your tips for raising highly sensitive children? So I think, you know, so much of that comes down to our own self-growth and exploration. I think a lot of people go into parenting with this idea that I need to figure out my kid. And the first step is figuring out yourself. Yes. Oh, my God. So, so <laughs> true. Know? And so there's things about myself that I didn't realize that were just like things I picked up, you know, you know, having people like be critical, you know, and in my parents viewpoint, it was that I'm getting you to like achieve. Like, I want you to have a good life. But like that comes out a different way. And I was like, oh, like, I don't want to have that kind of conversation. Like, I don't want them to think that I'm being critical of them. Like, how do I change that? And so for me, it just started doing a lot of reading and understanding different ways of communicating. Like I really did a deep dive into like nonviolent communication and understanding like even the tone or the ways that we present things. You know, a lot of that comes from fear. My fear of like them making a mistake or being hurt. Sometimes we like do that in an angry way or we do it in a way that isn't like loving or empathic because we're afraid. Mm -hmm. And so when I started being able to like name that and understand it, I then could create different pathways and different responses but you can't do that if you don't make stock of like the things that are like hmm I didn't like that way that came out I don't like that I'm doing things that are disconnecting me from my child and so it is an ongoing lifelong thing that I'll be doing with like myself and my kids but that is a first step it's self-exploration understanding the triggers that you have understanding what you were allowed to be and who you were allowed to be in your own family and what about that was good and what about that was bad you know Mm -hmm. I can remember, like in my family of origin, we weren't allowed to be angry. You know, like if something happened or your parents did something, like you were supposed to like just listen to it and not like show that you were upset about it. And so I had to actually learn how to have conflict, you know, with my actual partner, let alone my, you know, kids. But are those kinds of like learning curves that are making me a better mother? And so I would tell everyone, like, do your journey first. That's number one. Number two, if you have a highly sensitive kid, is understanding what their needs are. You know, I often tell my clients they need to be sensory detectives because each of us has a way that we calm ourselves through the senses. For some people, that's touching things. Some people, that's music. Maybe it's talking. Maybe it's rocking. Like, whatever that is, you got to kind of figure out what that is for your kids. You start to help them to learn how to regulate themselves and to learn how to feel good for themselves and not necessarily need someone else to do it. Mm-hmm. And once you kind of fat, you like do those two things, like knowing myself, knowing what helps my child to thrive, the rest becomes pretty easy. Yeah, that's such a good point. We are all mirrors and our children can be our biggest mirrors. Mm-hmm. And I realized that already. I felt it less when he was a brand new newborn mm-hmm. because they kind of just hang out. They just lay there. And, and he was a really good baby. Atticus was a really good newborn and, and it's still such a good baby. But now he has a personality and he's all over the place and he's different than me and similar to me and similar to my husband different you know I see like all the different facets of everybody in in our family within him but I'm already seeing oh my god like the amount that I have been triggered so far not necessarily Mm -hmm. by him but by situations surrounding Mm -hmm. him like pediatricians and nannies and the journey to find the right place for your child Mm -hmm. and thinking about 
I mean, I don't even want to say this, but like thinking about preschools and all that kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. I refuse. Like I refuse to be that person who's looking at preschools before the baby's even born. <laughs> don't um, get on that band. Like I refuse to get onto that train. Okay, like I'm with everyone you. I knew had done like 27, like preschool visits and I was like hmm, which one do I like what I feel connected to I found one that I felt connected to I visited that one I applied to that one I was like if I don't get in we're gonna do preschool in our backyard yes thank and you that's how it I'm 100% with you so, <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing that yes I think the triggering thing for me is is seeing what an alternative person that I am and I mm-hmm. knew that about myself and I had finally accepted that about myself I'm alternative. I'm different. I do things differently. That's Mm -hmm. fine with me. If people think I'm weird or they think I'm out there, Mm -hmm. I literally don't care. But now there's somebody else in the mix. And I I really do care Mm -hmm. for him. You know, he's not me. He's separate from me. So observing him and what does he need? And I'm the way that I am. But that doesn't mean that he's that way. Mm -hmm. And just kind of thinking about all of those things and prepping myself for the future as well. It's easy to be an alternative person when you're a singular human. Right. But then when you're a mother, it makes everything, it just puts everything into perspective. It changes what I share about publicly, what I talk about on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Because now I'm like, I'm Atticus's mom. Right. People are going to tell him about this one day or he's going to hear some of this one day. And I have no doubt that he's an accepting person and he chose me, like you said. Mm -hmm. So I don't have like any insecurities about that, but it makes me think twice about everything yeah and you have to but i think once you do your own work you're you're less in the position of projecting your own needs into your kids Mm -hmm. and that's the hardest part like you know they're not an extension of us you know they are their own people but we are responsible them for for a large portion of their life and so when you really know yourself and your needs like things that come up i've been able to see like this is not a kid thing this is a brandy issue there was like a situation where my kid was going to a local private school and they were making a lot of changes that like value-wise just didn't sit well with our family and I had to make this decision to like move him. I personally went to nine different elementary schools that I can remember might have been more than that so I moved around a lot and we had a lot of instability at times and I was freaking out about this school change like I was like doing all these applications and visiting all these schools and like but what about this and what about that and like every conversation with my friends was like okay so what do you think about this option what do you think about that and and so we finally like zoned in on something that seemed like a good like fit for him and like we're like oh you're going to school and he was like okay like he never mentioned the other school ever again like whoa (laughs) I was just like oh that was all about me and my own trigger and like need and like the nine-year-old and me needed reassurance yeah not my actual 11 year old who's going through this it was my issue he was fine yeah and it's those times you start to realize the most important for me is having the village to remind you like we're not supposed to be parenting in a silo and so having my friends kind of be like girl, you need to like take seven chill pills. Like he's going to be fine. Like mm-hmm. you realize that, like what's going on here? Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh yeah, you're probably right. Like, it's probably going it. to be fine. I'm, but you got to have people in your life that you can do that with. You do. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about my favorite thing in the world, clean makeup. I think you guys now know if you follow me on Instagram and also listen regularly to the podcast that I am becoming such a huge fan of clean makeup. And before I started wearing more makeup, I've always been a fan of everything being clean. So don't get me wrong. 
I was never advocating for non-clean makeup. I just wasn't really wearing a lot of makeup until recently. And I don't know what changed in my life. Maybe it's turning 32. This year I'll be 33 and noticing new wrinkles and having a baby and not getting a lot of sleep. Or maybe it's being under the lights and camera at Dear Media more often. But whatever it is, I am obsessed with all of the clean makeup choices that I have found at Sephora. What I use every single day is Ilia Foundation as well as Ilia Mascara and basically anything Ilia from Sephora. I'm obsessed. I also use Merit Blush. It's a cream blush. I never knew that applying blush could be so easy or that it would look so good. I have like a really rosy skin tone. So I didn't think I was a blush girl until I found this. I am also such a huge fan of all things Lawless, founded by my friend Annie Lawless. And there's just so many good clean makeup brands and a huge variety that you can find at Sephora. To learn more, visit sephora.com clean and tell me everything that you think. Enjoy. We have been talking a lot more about all things finances over here on the TBB podcast ever since we had Ramit on the show talking about how to live your rich life and save money and use credit cards wisely and all the things. It's been a huge passion of mine lately, especially because we're looking for a house. We've been looking for a house for a while and it's going to be the biggest purchase that we've ever made hands down by far. So let me tell you all about Chime. Chime is amazing for so many different reasons. So let me tell you a few reasons why. Chime has absolutely no annual fees, interest, or credit check to apply. You can use it everywhere. Visa credit cards are accepted and you can build credit using your own money. First of all, that is the most important thing, I think, and the coolest thing about Chime. So with a Chime checking account, you can get paid up to two days earlier. And with a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. They have a free overdraft with spot me, which is so cool. Um, so all you need to do is sign up for a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for spot me and chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a purchase that exceeds your balance. And also you can access over 60,000 fee free ATMs. It's amazing. So start building up your credit, go to chime.com slash balanced. That is chime.com slash balanced. Open a Chime checking account with at least a $200 qualifying direct deposit to get started. That is chime.com slash balanced. And the Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank. Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit are required to apply. Out of network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. On time payment history may have a positive impact on your credit score. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Enjoy. I'm similar to you in that I think about things like that. I went to one school for from pre-K through 12th grade. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's what childhood looks like. Mm -hmm. And I want something similar for my kids, mm -hmm. although I'm already letting go of like all these expectations, mm -hmm. which is hard because my husband is like, we're going to move around. We're going to do things differently. I mean, that's what we want. Mm -hmm. We were talking before recording. We're pretty adventurous. We're yeah. 
up for living an alternative kind of different life. And that doesn't always look like one school for 14 years. And I'm like, but what about friends? And what about this? And what about like ripping him out of where he's comfortable? And of course, I'm talking about the future, but my husband is like, he's going to be fine. I mean, what, you know, what, where is this coming from? And it's totally mm-hmm. coming from a self place. So all of these mirrors, all of these triggers, I'm sure a lot of new parents listening can relate. And you have really good tips. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's amazing. So something I wanted to switch gears into is surrogacy. And I'll tell you why I'm curious about this. Mm-hmm. And I love that you are also a doula for people who are not giving birth themselves. Mm-hmm. I know that you've been doulas for surrogacy families and many. I I love it. I've been thinking about it from time to time and who knows what my future holds, but I had an incredible pregnancy with Atticus. And I also have a lot of health issues. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you a little bit more further in our conversation about postpartum mm-hmm. and my body. And I'm so curious to hear from you what that journey is like for families. I feel so lucky and like that people have allowed me into like this so intimate special time for themselves. And I've been able to see this like over and over again for the past 20 years. And so, you know, I've seen people who have like brought children into the life through adoption, who brought children into life through surrogacy, who've, you know, brought children into life from their own body. I've had situations where, you know, someone had a child outside of their marriage and that child was brought into the family and like there's like all the ways that people have built a family. And what I've seen with surrogacy, obviously for so many people that wanna have children and like have so much love to give that in whatever way this child chose to come in this way, I think it's the same thing. Like if you end up having a kid through surrogacy, that's because there is a child somewhere that's in the ethers that has decided that's how they wanna come into the world and they've picked you to be the person to shepherd them. So, you know, for a lot of my clients, I've had a couple who've had surrogacy because of mental health issues. Maybe they were dealing with, you know, things that they were very afraid not to be on medication during their pregnancy and to like maintain their mental health. They chose, you know, surrogacy, some who could not actually have babies to their bodies. And then some who have actually had children and found it that it was very difficult for them, like whether it's postpartum depression or health concerns and still wanted to grow their families. And so what I tell people, you're going to have a lot of people who have a lot of negative things to say about surrogacy, particularly in the political climate that we're in, where we are starting to police women's bodies and police families, you know, reproductive options. But if you are wanting to grow your family and it's feeling like the path of leaf resistance, what I know about spirituality and following the right path is always to lean into the thing that brings you the most joy and ease. Yes, that's true. And so that's what I've seen. I've seen it to be a beautiful situation for people. What I tell a lot of my parents who are becoming surrogates or using a surrogate or using surrogacy to to complete their family or to grow it is that sometimes people discount or undervalue the parenting journey that they're going to go through and that portal that they don't allow themselves that space. They feel like, well, I'm not actually doing giving birth or, you know, I'm not actually carrying the baby. But that portal still exists for you. And you have to go through that same sense of like nesting and being quiet and connecting to your intuition and following a postpartum protocol where you are, you know, connecting and nesting and and wearing your baby and doing all of those things. Like 
don't skip that just because, you know, some people might say, oh, you didn't actually carry the baby. Like, why do you need to take six weeks off or whatever? And you still need that. And that's why C happens and people end up having some issue because they don't do that. They don't give themselves the the opportunity or feel like they don't have the right to do it. And you do. I could see that. Yeah. You 100% do. Of course. I could see that pregnancy is such a portal. Mm -hmm. And I thought about it many times when I was pregnant that being pregnant prepared me. It was an initiation for mm-hmm. motherhood, especially mm-hmm. the final month was a true ceremony in and of itself, initiation. But yeah, the body stuff, I mean, the body doesn't lie. And I'm just going to keep tuning into that. I don't know what my future is going to hold, but I've just started thinking about it recently. And to be honest, I thought about it before I got pregnant the first time, really? too, for being honest. Yeah, because I have chronic Lyme disease mm-hmm. and... We just never knew what the fertility journey would be like. Mm-hmm. I ended up being very fertile, very lucky, great pregnancy, other than not being able to walk from sciatica. But the postpartum. Oh, I had that. It's you worst. know, I, I still have it. I'm like, my back always hurts so bad. Have you done acupuncture? Uh, I need to be better. That's what. That's the only thing that helped me. Do you have a good acupuncturist? I do. Okay, I'm going to get that yes. info. Yeah, I'm a good acupuncturist. It's the only thing that saved me my third. He was like just sitting on that nerve. and yeah. I usually have super easy pregnancies and like there were times my husband had to actually take me to the bathroom because I was like, I don't know that I can walk. Yeah, there. So I was pain. like being carried to <laughs> and from the bathroom like 100%. Jonathan was my caretaker. It was it was intense. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, I want to ask you a question about pelvic floor therapy. So I said at the beginning of this episode that you came on the show at the perfect time. And that's because I'm really realizing now over a year since giving birth I'm feeling like I need some support in terms of working with the pelvic floor. So I'm looking for a pelvic floor therapist. I'm also wondering what are the things that we should know as women who have given birth when things feel off? Like how do we know that things are off and who can we turn to? What kind of support can we look for in that area? Let's just go from there because I'm noticing things are not as tight as they used to feel. I'm feeling more discomfort, like Part of me thought I had some kind of prolapse with my uterus, which I'm still not sure if I do, but please tell us all the things. So a lot of people, the way that they come to finding out they have some issues like either with prolapse or, you know, they need pelvic floor PT usually comes from pain. For a lot of people, that's pain during sex that they didn't experience beforehand. And again, we're not having conversations about like what happens like yeah, it got all put back together and it's just supposed to be fine. But like we aren't having conversations with, with women about like, are you having painful sex like postpartum? And so a lot of people are just kind of like, you know, bearing it and hoping that it goes away or, or thinking that it's something that's temporary that is going to go away and they deserve just suffering silently. And there are even things for that. You know, some of that could be trauma that happened during the birth. There are, you know, there is like scar mediation therapy that can happen. They say that we hold a lot of our trauma like in the uterus, in the like vaginal canal, and there are actual people. They might call themselves like, you know, body sexologists who particularly work with postpartum and can help deal with some of that release of either tension or things that happened during the birth. Or for some people, it might be actual trauma that happened to them, you know, for their bodies, women who have dealt with sexual assault or childhood sexual abuse like that a lot of time comes up for us when we have children. Mm -hmm. No, totally. Everything is stored in the body. Emotions Mm -hmm. are stored in all these different organs. That's something that I've learned on this Mm -hmm. healing journey that I've been on. So everything you're saying makes complete sense. 
And yeah, it's interesting. So now I'm trying to get in with my OB because I'm like, just check everything out. I don't really know what's going on. I've also had fibroids that grew when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot on my mind. I got to give you, you got acupuncture is going to be your friend for the fibroids, I know, I for know. like the sciatica, all I the things. I used to be really good at going to acupuncture. And then, as you know, having a child, like Life. so many things fall off the bandwagon yeah, and fall by the 100%. wayside. So I want to get back into it. That This is my season, actually, of taking care of myself again. Mm-hmm. I had the postpartum, like full-time mom season, which was amazing. And then I had the diving back into work season. And now I'm like, okay, there's got to be a balance somewhere. Yes. I want to be with Atticus as much as possible. I want to work a little bit or a lot because it fulfills me. And also, I need to take care of my health again. Right. And I think that we all go through those stages. You know, there's a point like where I just want to like stare at you and watch you sleep and like it's just everything you do is amazing. And there's a part of like, who am I now that I have this child? Like mm-hmm. that other person doesn't exist anymore. I'm not really sure how this new person operates and. You know, there's a part of like wanting to get back into work and figuring out like th- this actually doesn't work for me anymore, like the way that I was doing it before. And so there's like this rebirthing that has to happen again. And that happens every time you have a child. And so I think, you know, what you're experiencing is probably what a lot of your listeners who are, you know, pregnant or have babies have experienced and just need to know that it's normal for us mm-hmm. to have seasons where we kind of maybe do put ourselves at the bottom of our to-do list. Yeah. And sometimes it's okay. Just We can't get stuck there, though. Exactly. Seasons of life. Mm-hmm. Everything ebbs and flows. Exactly. So I want to ask you a couple of the rapid fires that I ask everyone who okay. comes on the podcast. What is your zodiac sign? I'm a Sagittarius. Oh, my God. When's your birthday? December 13th. Yeah, so Atticus is a Sagittarius, oh. so that's why I got excited. Is there any other sign? Like um, <laughs> I, I, Sagittarius are the best. And now that I have uh, one in my life, in my house, I'm like, you guys are so much fun. I think so. Yes, adventurous, loyal, fire sign. Mm-hmm. Love it. Do you know your human design? I do. I'm a manifesting generator, 5-1. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you and Atticus are very similar. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a manifesting generator too, um, but he's a 2-4. Do you resonate with being a manifesting I generator? I do, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like it opened up so much for me, not just in parenting, but as like a business person and like how I was doing things. And, you know, I'm I'm kind of a disorganized person by nature, except when it comes to my work, when I'm like working with families and like that kind of thing. And I always was like, I wish I was that person who could just do one thing and like every day do this at nine and at three and whatever. And the human design, like doing that made me understand that like what made me so good at what I do is because I'm this way, that because I can be in the moment, I can hold space. I don't have to follow a script and that I can ebb and flow with families. Like I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have this personality. Yes, that's what MGs are, the magic of you guys. I love that. What is the meaning of life? Joy, just to have joy and enjoy the experience mm-hmm. and, and bring joy to other people. Yes. Who's your inspiration? Um, hmm, women of all, like women are my inspiration. Like mm-hmm. I'm always in awe of like what we're able to create, what we put into the world, how we mother, how we bring communities together, how we gather, how we heal. So I'm, I'm, I think women are my mentors. I love it. And if you could be in a room with three people, who would they be? Anybody? Alive or dead or does it matter? Um, either one. <laughs> I'd be in a room with probably Oprah, Beyonce, just because it's Beyonce. I don't have a real reason besides just like high-fiving her because we're both from Houston. Oh, nice. And I'd probably want to be in a room. Oh, this is so hard to nail it to three. Oh, this hard. is so difficult. Really hard. Probably James Baldwin. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, I think just his brain, I just want to want to absorb mm-hmm. the way that he looks at the world and like just to like 
see him right in his process and like yeah that would be an i'd be in heaven room. with those three people i think we'd have the most amazing conversation so cool and a dance party and a dance party of course <laughs> it would be so fun because you are a sagittarius and can i have like an extra because i'm a manifesting generator and we always of course, want extra of course selena like oh yes so <laughs> i'm a texas good. girl so like selena would be pretty fun amazing yeah i can never stick to a list by the way if people say like give me three things i'm like here's five and then here's another i'm like so, i deserve to have an extra yeah, i've been exactly. really good in this life exactly <laughs> yes oh my god this was so fun thank, thank you, so, you much so much for coming on you're full of so much wisdom and i'm so excited that we get to keep talking and go on your podcast next yeah i'm so thankful for you having me here and like just the joy and spirituality that you put into the world and just allowing me to be a part of that thank you thank you so much tell everybody where they can find you so they can find me on my podcast, the Dear Doula podcast on IG. They can follow me on IG at Brandy with an I underscore Jordan underscore official. And if they're a parent who's looking for this kind of advice and support, they want to check out my agency, The Cradle Company, that does all things pregnancy and postpartum. And we're at The Cradle Company on IG and Facebook. Sweet. Sounds amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Come say hi on Instagram at The Balance Wand and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of your rating and review for a free Soul on Fire yoga ebook. See you next Wednesday. Love you guys. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.